Hello, and welcome to an episode of Is It My Cup of Tea, a podcast about theatre and creativity. My name is Nathan Schultz, otherwise known as the Drama Merchant, and you're welcome to grab a cup and saucer, make yourself comfortable in my tea room, as I continue to share with you information from the teapot entitled A Midsummer Night's Dream. As we found out in our last episode, the show's dominant theme is about love, but it also has three subplots. One includes a conflict between four lovers, another includes a group of six amateur actors rehearsing a play which they are to perform at a wedding, and our third subplot finds both groups in a forest inhabited by fairies who manipulate them as they are engaged in their own domestic intrigue. So setting the show under the stars or during the day at the Gold Coast Botanical Gardens would give Shakespeare's most popular and widely performed show some extra magic. Whilst Doug was chatting to Andrew Cockcroft Penman in our last episode, I was also having a chat with two other cast members, Alex Khan and Egan Sunbin, about their experience working on the production. Let's have a listen. How you doing, guys? Yeah, we're doing really well. Yeah, like, we right. just finished our rehearsal and now we're so pumped to actually get into tech we can bump in. Yes, that's what we always look forward to, isn't it? Yeah. So just for the listening audience, can you just introduce yourselves? Uh, so my name's Alex, uh, I'm 21, I'm from Brisbane, and I'll be playing King Oberon. And my name is Egan, I am uh, 20, and I'll be playing Peter Quince. Ah, cool. Tell us, what have rehearsals been like for A Midsummer Night's Dream? Uh, well, um, with COVID World, um, we, have, we did the first, so we didn't actually ever get the whole cast together because mm-hmm. of uh, group numbers, so we sort of did... There were some pairs here, then there were some groups of three or four here, and it was all in masks, and then it wasn't until last week we finally got the whole cast together. Yeah, it was really interesting actually having like 12 people in the cast, like, because we all like rehearse alone, and then we were like, oh my gosh, yeah, people are here. There are more than just the other person I've seen. It's just not a disembodied voice anymore. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not your mum at the kitchen table. Or, you know. or like Andrew just reading out the lines and you just go like, oh yeah, you, there's someone else that has a different voice and a different like actor, I guess. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe how different some people look when they take the bottom half of their face off. Yeah. And you get to, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. this, is, this changes everything. There's been so much like eye acting, and it's like, wow, we are really good with our eyes now. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah. you could create a whole new production of a Midsummer Night's Dream just using the masks, just, couldn't yeah, you? Just masks on, only <laughs> eyes. So, what have been the challenges as an actor for a Midsummer Night's Dream? Like, how have you guys overcome these? I think pretty much it always comes back to the language of the work. Like, every Shakespeare's hard. It's kind of like. Chekhov, like it is such a language driven play mm. and it's about honoring that while also bringing our own little styles and making it like um not like Laurence Olivier everyone trying to copy is like Richard the third yeah. speech and it's just like bringing that back to like what the Australian sound is and really just honoring yeah. like who we are in the work yeah well I think furthering on from that it's also why do people why should people care yeah. we're doing we're doing a Midsummer Night's Dream in 2021 why do people want to come see it and I think ensuring that an audience whether it be you know a family with their kid or an an older couple or people's parents Mm -hmm. why do they want to see this and why is this something that they should spend their hard-earned money on yeah because like every time you come to midsummer like or like any shakespeare it's like what's going on this are they speaking english they're Mm. saying words and i'm like 
It's not the easiest thing to perform. Myself being dyslexic, I mentioned to the mm. guys I spoke to before, the first time I saw a Midsummer Night's Dream was around 1995, 94 by the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh, yeah. I didn't understand a word, Absolutely not. Yeah. but I understood the imagery. Mm. And that's where I started yeah. learning how I can appreciate Shakespeare because it's a whole different language for, for myself to try and understand yeah, what's sure. going on. And everything's turned up to the nth degree. And I think that's something that Andrew has done really well in directing this show is that I feel like you could listen to it on mute and be like, okay, good guy, bad guy, they're in love, they don't like each other, that's funny. And I think that's a really impressive thing to be able to do as a director. Yeah. And that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing myself. Yeah. What's your favourite scene in the play? I think my favourite scene, personally, it's not one that I'm in, it's when, um, I'm not going to say spoilers, because if you don't know it, that's on you. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, when um, the mischievous puck uh, transforms uh, Bottom into the donkey hybrid and he comes out to greet his cast members and is met by fear absolute gut-wrenching fear and i just think that's that's a really funny shift in the play and really speeds it up a gear yeah one of the things i really like about this play and i think sometimes we just forget about how magical this play is like actual spells like wizardry like we have fairies in the play like come on there's got to be some magic behind it all mm. so it's like in this one i think we've really all honored that in some way like i i can't wait for everyone to hear like the spells we've got and like also like the transformations like they're like absolutely beautiful just to like be a part of i think we've all like that's what i'm really like like as a sort of concept in the play i can't really say scene but it's just like I know. There's magic, people. There's magic. There's magic. There's magic. Who doesn't magic. want magic in a play? And I'm guessing you guys are looking forward to giving it a crack shot in the park? I think that's going to be really good. <laughs> I think it's, it's a whole new forum. I mean, like, I've never done a performance in the park, and mm. there's never been a Shakespeare in the park in, Gold, in the Gold Coast. And so I think, I mean, on opening night, there's going to be a full moon. If that's, if that's, <laughs> not, a sign, <laughs> if that's not a sign that this is what we should seriously. be doing, um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fantastic. And it's also... It's saying, look, we're not ignoring the fact we're in a COVID world, yeah. but there's still theatre and there's still magic and there's still people willing to perform. I, I love performing in spaces where traditional theatre isn't yeah. performed. It's really interesting to see how he takes the audience on that experience. Yeah, and who knows, the next thing would be like Shakespeare in the Pack Fair. It's that thing, it's like we're, like we're moving from a day that like, like in different time, where like theatre's supposed to be in a theatre, in an auditorium, there's only one like... Like everyone's in a seating bank and everyone and this, everything's on the stage. Mm. And now we're slowly like breaking all these conventions and these rules about what makes theatre. It's like not the space. It's actually the stories we tell. It's the story, yeah. And I think it's really important just to like, there's a reason why like originally, like we go back to Greek times and that why it was performed in amphitheatre. It's created conversation. It wasn't really the stage. It was just a group of people meeting. Mm -hmm. And like, this is what we're trying to replicate in our version of Midsummer. It's like, a group of people coming together and especially like this is when we need it like most often like mm. after a year of like basic isolation we need like these stories and absolutely these community things are coming together and really honoring that for everyone just be sure to bring a jumper yeah it's gonna be it's bring some blankets and a pillow what's your perfect audience for this show who will enjoy it the people of the Gold Coast. People of the Gold Coast. Nice answer. I think I just I, I think that that's that's something that we really worked on. I think even during the audition process, something that Andrew spoke about was, and something that he and I discussed was, we want from uh, a elderly couple who haven't been out in months to a grade seven who's dreading their next week of school to both be able to come to this show and be like, I had fun. 
And yeah. I think that's something that we just want to give the people some fun here. Yeah, like we, I definitely had fun. I, I don't fun. know. Yeah, they had fun. Like, I think that's it. Like, we're all going to have so much fun. And I think um, this is why people should come to Midsummer for fun. So if you had to describe this as a movie or a film genre, what would you say it is? It's definitely comedy. It's a comedy. I think, <laughs> I think it's funny. It is funny. I think... Uh, I would say um, Inglorious Bastards by Ooh, Quentin yes. Tarantino yes. meets the Teletubbies. Imagine all that, but you're in a um, uh, immersive. Your VR uh, you're in a VR on. headset. <laughs> Everything is around you. Uh, I think you just sold it to me as yeah. Inglorious Bastards yeah. meets Teletubbies. <laughs> Inglorious I mean, Bastards with Teletubbies just, and, and 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 fairies. Yeah, so, yeah. fairies. They're just. <laughs> It's so hard to summarize it like a play like Midsummer. What people understand is that, like, you know, this has been done a thousand times, mm. but like, you better be ready for one thousand and one because it's going to be yeah, something totally we different. We have such like diverse and new voices coming onto the stage and coming to Gold Coast, which is quite like, I don't know, as me as like a POC artist, it's quite rare to find like other like POC creators on board. And it's mm. just, like, if we want to represent the community that we are, we actually have to have more like. It'd be inclusive about who we bring on, who it's portraying, and I think this cast is is such a spectrum of like beautiful voices, and I think everyone would just see like a little bit of themselves in this show. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you very much, guys. No, thanks for having us. <laughs> I always find it fun chatting to the actors and hearing the passion they have for the project they're working on, and it certainly sounds like this cast is having fun. Before I finish up this episode, I asked Andrew, director to director, a couple of questions. It is such a nice feeling to finally get to meet you and speak to you outside yes, of office works. I know, outside of office, <laughs> this is where Nathan and I meet. We always keep crossing roads. <laughs> um, your performance of A Midsummer Night's Dream is set at the Gold Coast Botanical Gardens, correct? Yes. What inspired you to do this and why? So since moving to the Gold Coast, um, something I have missed is that Shakespeare in the Park, that immersive production. I remember um, when I was first starting Technicolor, the, I did want to walk through the Botanical Gardens. There's a beautiful spot there that actually creates a natural proscenium arch theatre. So the way that the trees are formed and the way that um, they've left an open space for an, almost an auditorium. It's begging for that space to be activated, backing onto a lake. It's under the stars. Um, so it was a very um, fortuitous moment. It was, um, I can't really take credit for it. No, but as a director, you could just, it's like you saw it and you were inspired or yeah, that totally, you wanted to do something totally. just, like that. Just that space and, and that community feel around the, around the gardens and that feel of storytelling and bringing people together in this beautiful Gold Coast space that... A lot of people don't know exists. I used to play there as a kid. Yes. So I uh, had a couple of weddings that were there and everything. Mm -hmm. So I know the space intimately yes. and, and look forward to seeing what you what you do there. I always had an idea of doing um, Wind in the Willows <gasps> down yes. there. But uh, one day I will get to that one with day, someone. One day, yes. We, we are. <laughs> well, the hope is that this will be the first of an um, inaugural production of an outdoor season at the Botanical Gardens every year. So I look bring forward on to Wind it. in the Willows. Absolutely. Um what have been the challenges and how have you overcome these? Yeah, look, totally. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what is it, less than a week ago, just over a week ago, um, obviously Brisbane was brought into lockdown. Part of our, and, and the Gold Coast as well, part of our aims for this project were to do with um, intercity uh, cross-cultural um, exchange. Um, so half of our cast is from Brisbane and Toowoomba and northern New South Wales and the other half are all Gold Coast based. And that was always part of the, part of the aims of the show. Um, the downfall of that when half the state decides to go into a lockdown is that, yeah, look, 
less than two weeks ago, the show was was on on postponement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really through the energy of the cast that it's kept going, which is uh, sounds very corny and sounds. Well, very no, no, it, it, if we we need that because yeah. um, having directing a show myself with with mm-hmm. Pete, we're we're going through the same thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. the moment it gets locked down, where and it's only two people in that cast, totally. so we've got to try to keep the energy up as best as exactly. we can. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you want the audience to experience with Midsummer Night's Dream? So we've talked about this with the cast as well. My greatest hope is that we will facilitate someone's first experience with this style of immersive outdoor Shakespeare. Um, if we can facilitate that, then that is the greatest gift that, that I can give through Absolutely. this process. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's like more of this should be on the coast, being utilised on the coast. There's so many spaces here yeah, that can and, be utilised. And this is hotter as well. And the idea of activating space and creating that, that art is all around us um, and really taking advantage of our, our natural, beautiful landscapes and beautiful environments. So who would be your perfect audience member? My perfect audience member, someone who's open to new experiences, someone who's open to um, to seeing Shakespeare in a contemporary setting and, and open to this, this new text being accessible. That's something we focused on a lot through the rehearsal process is making sure that the text is accessible and the the story and the characters are accessible in a 2021 setting. Um, so it's someone someone who's open and, and reciprocal to that. I definitely got that feeling from your cast when I chatted to them before. Yes. <laughs> so which is which is really good because Shakespeare to me is like it's done to death. Like yep. it's constantly done. Yep. So trying to find new ways to reinvent the uh, wheel is, going is back a challenge. To the original ideas of Shakespeare as well that it, it was meant to be accessible. It was for the groundling. It was for with the groundlings. It was for every 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 man it was every man's visceral theatrical storytelling experience so if we can get back to that and get rid of that that kind of snobbery and the idea of Mm -hmm. that distance by by class and get it back to being for everyone that's that's the real aim i'll be honest if you as i said to the cast uh, members before i saw the uh, royal shakespeare company do this at hotter in i think it was either 94 or 95 and I didn't understand it, but I understood the imagery. Yes. So I'm really, and having known your work, mm-hmm. I'm actually really keen to see what you have done. <laughs> no pressure. So, no, no pressure there. <laughs> but as, as, a, as, as someone who wants to be involved with Shakespeare and understand Shakespeare, um, I look for how other people can perform it in a way that I can understand it. So I get enjoyment out of it. And so far only two people hold that record. Yeah. Um, so no pressure. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I am actually really looking forward to what you have done. If you had to sell your show as a movie, what kind of movie would it be? As a movie? Or even genre. So It's like a swirling whirlpool of chaos and mayhem and love and and theatricality. So it's it's Baz Luhrmann. It's ah. it's um it's Moulin Rouge and it's it's um it's his version of Romeo and Juliet. Nice sell. Thank you very much for chatting, Andrew, and we look forward to seeing your show. Thank you, Nathan. I hope what you've just heard in this episode sounds like your cup of tea or has perked your interest in trying this Shakespearean flavour. Like the Shakespeare tea itself, I'm sure Technicolor Theatre Company's production will leave you young and warm-blooded during its season run on the 22nd to the 25th of July at the Gold Coast Botanical Gardens. Tickets can be purchased on www.technicolortheatre.com.au or click on the link in this podcast. Thank you for joining me in my tea room. I look forward to speaking to you again, and as always, an adventure begins with a cup of tea.